Good morning, everybody. Isn't it lovely to be in our Father's house this morning? I'll just um, pray first. Dear Lord, we thank you that we could come together this morning, and we thank you for this word that you've given me to share with your people. Let the hearts be ready to receive and the minds be ready to acknowledge you. We lift this up to you, Lord God. Amen. Amen. Okay, so this morning's talk I've called The Love Story. Okay, so in the natural, the definition of love is an intense, deep affection for another person. Love can also mean a feeling of intense affection for someone. Or love can also refer to a strong like for something or someone. So a truly loving relationship should have communication, affection, trust, appreciation and mutual respect. So if you see these signs in the relationship and it is a healthy, honest, nurturing one, you would likely consider your relationship one of true love. In the Bible, the definition of love, 1 Corinthians 13, 4-8, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous. It does not brag and it is not proud. Love is not rude. It is not selfish and it cannot be made angry easily. Love does not remember any wrongs. Love is never happy when others do wrong, but it's always happy with the truth. Love never gives up on people. It never stops trusting and it never loses hope, and it never quits. Love will never end. So God is love, so therefore Jesus is love. When I was at Sunday school a few years ago, um, we used to sing a song. um, It was called, The love of Jesus is so wonderful. The love of Jesus is so wonderful. The love of Jesus is so wonderful. Oh, what wonderful love. It's so high, you can't get over it. It's so low, you can't get under it. And it's so wide, you cannot get around it. As a believer, God has never loved anyone more than he does already. He can't. We may try to do things in the hope that he might love us a little bit more, but it's impossible because he already loves us fully and completely. Now in the natural, when a boy meets girl or man meets lady, they might meet um, at work or at school or at college, or they might even be introduced by a friend and go on a byline date. So from the female point of view, um, you see a guy and you quite like him, and he obviously likes you, he asks you out on a date. So you go, and you quite enjoy it, and you have a few more dates, and you get to know each other, and you think, "Mm, this guy's not too bad. We have a laugh and a joke. Yeah, I don't mind seeing him again. So, after a few more dates, he asks you out 
for a nice date, which is a meal out. Previously, probably only walks in the park or to the cinema, so going out for dinner is a bit of a biggie. So, two days till the big date. Now, what do I wear? How do I have my hair? Do I have it up? Do I have it down? What about my makeup? I'm not too good with makeup. I know, I'll get the girlfriends round. So, you ring round, get the girlfriends round, decide what you're going to wear. Now, one of them's quite good with hair and makeup, and the other one's quite good with colours and what you should wear. So, your friend goes in the wardrobe, starts pulling out different things, and eventually, you've got this big pile on the bed of things that you're not going to wear. Eventually, she pulls out a skirt and top that match, and everyone agrees, yes, that's, that's the one to wear. But what about the hair? Shall I have it up? Shall I have it down? Shall I have it partially up? So you decide how you're going to have your hair, and your other friend says you'll come round to do your makeup on the night. So it's all sorted. So you start getting butterflies the day before the date. Heart beats a little bit faster when you think about it. In the meantime, you're texting your friends. And you go out on the date, and you have a really nice evening. You start to get to know a lot about him, and he knows a lot more about you. So you carry on seeing each other, and you think to yourself, hmm, it's a little bit more than like now. I think I'm sort of falling for this guy. And then he asks you to meet his friends, and you go out and you meet his friends, and yeah, they're good, they're nice, you like them. And then he says, well, my parents would like to meet you. Uh-oh, mum and dad. Okay, get the girls around again, help you decide what to wear, and you go and meet them, and you like them. And they like you. And you start thinking about this guy more, and you text each other more. And then you think to yourself, hmm, do you know what, I think I love this guy, but I don't know how he feels about me. Then he asks you out again, and it's for the day this time. So you're going out somewhere nice for the day, you don't know where you're going, but you get dressed, ready to go. You have a nice day. And then, all of a sudden, he gets down on one knee. And he says the big question, will you spend your life with me? Can we have life together? What will the answer be? Now on the flip of that, in the Christian life, you might not have known about Jesus, you might not have been to church. Say for instance, you're at work, and you've got a friend who does know Jesus and does go to church. And she invites you to come to church. And you say, sorry, it's not really my thing. Thanks for the invite anyway. Anyway, as the weeks go by, she carries on talking to you about church. And she asks you again. She said, look, we've got a nice speaker come in. We've got a great worship band come in. And there's going to be a bring and share lunch afterwards. 
So you think, oh, anything to shut her up. Yes, okay, I'll come. So she went, and she quite enjoyed it, singing and hearing about Jesus. She didn't understand it all, but she enjoyed it anyway. So the following week, when her friend said, would you like to come? She said, yes, I would, I will come. And her friend gave her a Bible and said, there you go, you start reading and learning. So she started reading and learning and talking to her friend about Jesus. And her friend gave her some Christian books and she started reading them. And then she had more questions and she didn't want to keep pestering her friends, so she started looking up on the internet more about the Lord. And the more she learned, the more she read, the more she wanted to know. And she started reading things like Psalm 139. My thoughts towards you are as countless as the sand on the seashore. Not just a handful of sand, not just the sand on the beach at Hans Stanton or Felix though, but all the seashores. And then in Jeremiah thirty-two forty-one, the Lord says, I will never stop doing good to you. Who else can ever say that they will never stop doing good to you? And she was reading more and she came across Zephaniah 3.17 which says I rejoice over you with singing. Well, the God of all creation the creator of the whole universe rejoices with singing over me. Me, little old me. And it became a circle. The more she learned the more she wanted to know, the more she knew, the more she fell in love with Jesus. The more she fell in love with him, the more she wanted to know about him. And she kept on reading her Bible. And she read 1 John 3, 1. It is my desire to lavish my love on you. Jeremiah 31, 3. I love you with an everlasting love. Exodus 19.5 For you are my treasured possession. Jeremiah 33.3 I want to show you great and marvellous things. Psalm 37.4 Delight in me and I will give you the desires of your heart. For it is I who gave you those desires. Ephesians 3.20 I am able to do more for you than you can possibly imagine. Wow, she thought. I've got a really vivid, crazy imagination. And the Lord is saying that he can do more than I can possibly imagine. She prayed. She talked to the Lord. And one evening after she prayed, she sat quietly in his presence just soaking up his love. And then she heard his voice. I have a big question for you. Will you give your life to me? Will 
you spend all eternity with me. Yes. Now, as we know, Jesus came to the earth as a baby sent by Father God. He preached, he healed, he prayed, he loved people, he had compassion, and he taught us how to live. In John 3.16 it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Jesus' death was the ultimate expression of love for us. He loves us that much. And he's calling to everyone. God said, If you receive the gift of my son Jesus, you receive me. For those that don't know, when you ask Jesus into your heart, everything changes. It's called being born again. So what is being born again? It's when you ask Jesus into your life, you repent of your sins. You give up your old life and live the way that is set out in the Bible. Old things pass away and all things do become new. When you ask Jesus into your life, you have a measure of the Holy Spirit coming to you. And he will open your eyes and ears and teach you the true meaning of what's written in the Bible. Then you start to enjoy reading the Bible and start to understand it more. Because unfortunately some people read the Bible and they just don't understand it. But when you have the Holy Spirit, it all starts to become clear. Everything about you and your life will change. You do really become a new creation in Jesus. And the best thing of all, it's the greatest gift, but it's free. Now, some people think that if they're good and they're kind and they do things to help others, that they're going to go to heaven. There is only one way to get into heaven, and that is to surrender your life to Jesus. In Jeremiah 29, 11, it says, I know the plans I have for you. They are for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. And Psalm 32, 8 says, I will guide you along the best pathways for your life. You start to feel the peace of Jesus, his love and his joy. It's not to say trials won't come and you won't have problems or difficulties. You will. But in Psalm 34, 18, it says, When you are brokenhearted, I am close to you. And in Revelation 21, 4, it says, One day I will wipe away every tear from your eyes. I will take away all the pain that you've suffered on this earth. We were formed and knitted together and made by God. And God made a special space in each of our hearts that only he can fill. Some people that are not believers yet think that they can fill that space with worldly things. Fast cars, big houses, holidays far away. Unfortunately some, alcohol or drugs or other things. But nothing will ever fill that hole, that space. It can't because God made it especially for him. 
And I was thinking about praying and I thought, well, some people pray that don't believe in God. Should God answer those prayers? If I asked someone else's father for something, would I get it? If I was short on my rent, for instance, and I went to someone else's father and said, could I have a hundred pounds? He'd probably look at me and say, I don't know you, get off my drive. And also, the Lord put my heart to mention to carry on praying for friends and family, loved ones that don't know him yet. It says, pray without ceasing, and that's what we're to do. Just never give up on your people that you're praying for. And also for people that have walked away from the Lord, that have turned back into the world, he's saying to you today, no sin is too big for me to not be able to forgive you. Turn back to me. Some people say there's no God. I say there is a God. And if I'm wrong, no problem. I've had a good life, a clean life. I've come to church. I've sung lovely worship songs. I've met lovely people. I'm in a wonderful family. No problem if I'm wrong. But what, my friend, if you're wrong and there is a God, where are you going to be spending all eternity? There's one reason why I'm standing here today and that is because in Romans 10, 14 to 17 it says but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him and how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him and how can they hear about him unless someone tells them and how will anyone go and tell them without being sent that is why the scriptures say how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, and that is hearing the good news of Jesus Christ. Now I'd just like to pray for anyone that is watching anyone here in the building that doesn't know Jesus as their Lord and Saviour. Today is the day of salvation. Don't put off what you can do today because none of us are guaranteed tomorrow. So Lord, I pray that those people that don't know you will have heard your good news, your message today and they will turn from their wicked ways they will turn to you and invite you into their lives, Lord. And you will do the rest. In Jesus' name, amen. Now I'd like to invite anyone who is watching at home that if you have any questions, you'd like to know any more, please contact us. We would love to hear from you and connect with you and help you in any way that we can. And before I close, I'd just like to read a little poem. It's something my mum gave me many years ago. And it's just, I read it now and again just to keep me on track. 
If Jesus came to your house to spend a day or two, if he came unexpectedly, I wonder what you'd do. Oh, I know you'd give your nicest room to such a holy guest, and all the food you served to him would be the very best. And you would keep assuring him that you are glad to have him there, that serving him in your own home is joy beyond compare. But when you saw him coming, would you greet him at the door with arms outstretched in welcome to your heavenly visitor? Or would you have to change your clothes before you let him in? Or hide some magazines and put the Bible where they'd been? Or turn the radio off and hope that Jesus had not heard and wish you'd never uttered that bitter, nasty word? Would you hide those worldly books and place the hymn books out? Could you let Jesus write in or would you have to rush about? I wonder if the Saviour spent a day or two with you, could you still go on doing the things you always do? And would you keep on saying the things you always say and let your life continue as it does from day to day? Would your family conversation keep up its usual pace? And would you find it hard to say your daily grace? Would you sing those worldly songs or read those books you read and let him know the things on which your mind and spirit feed? Could you take Jesus everywhere that you had planned to go? Or would you like to change your plans for just a day or so? Would you be glad for him to meet your very closest friends? Or would you hope they'd stay away until his visit ends? Would you be glad for him to stay forever on and on? Or would you sigh with great relief when he had finally gone? It might be interesting to know, my friend, what you would do if Jesus came to your house to spend some time with you. Thank you.